0: Before we get to the podcast, I have a gift for you. I love bringing hope to you each week through this podcast. Hope is such a beautiful gift and one that I definitely like to share. For the times in my life when I needed hope, I opened my Bible and allowed God's Word to speak to me. As a gift of hope to you, I've created a prayer journal, Seven Days to Refuel Your Hope. This journal shares my journey through some of the most hopeless times in my life and the biblical verses that brought me back to hopefulness. My prayer for you is that this journal will help you to refuel, refresh, and realign your hope. You can download this free journal by visiting my website, DianeBells.com, or clicking on the link in the show notes.
1: I didn't want it to be true that I was groomed for Abuse, And this is my story, and I used to be very ashamed of talking about it, but I'm not ashamed anymore. Uh, I divorced and married five times.
0: Have you ever felt hopeless, like nothing good could ever happen again? Well, I have. And that's why I created The Hope Station. Each week, you will hear amazing stories of hope from people just like you, people who have transformed disastrous, disappointing, and depressing events in their lives into messages of hope, turning tragedy to triumph, pain to purpose, crisis to new careers, all through the power of hope. So sit back, relax, and pull into The Hope Station The place where you can refuel, refresh, and realign your hopes and dreams. Thank you for pulling into the Hope Station today. My guest is Mitzi Love, who is one of the woman warriors that I've talked about on the last two podcasts. She is warrior number three, and she has a message for us, a time when she was feeling hopeless and what the Lord has been doing in her life. So thank you so much, Mitzi, for pulling on into the Hope Station. So why don't you give our audience just a chance to know a little bit about you?
1: Mm. Well, thank you, Diane, for what you do. I believe that hope is needed. Uh, for so many people, for all of us, and really for the masses, I think people stay hidden in shame and regret, and just being disillusioned with uh, what is uh, good or what is right. And I I love what you're doing, so thanks for having me. Goodness gracious, sometimes I have a hard time knowing where do I start. So um, I like to start by saying no matter what your story is, like no matter what your story is, there is great hope in the Lord Jesus. And uh, without him, I don't know where I would be. Um, in a nutshell, my childhood was very confusing. I was raised by a covert narcissistic mother, didn't know what that meant um, until a few years ago. And because of a series of some very uh, sad things that happened, uh I started Googling the effects of a child not raised with boundaries or conversation or you know, and then I just started Googling all these things about my childhood, and information came up that made me understand the confusion in my childhood it made sense and although I was so happy to have an answer I didn't like the answer I didn't want that to be true and you
0: just tell me tell us all who are listening what that means like because if we haven't had that experience yes it might you might be the google search for someone else hearing this that they can hear what went on that you felt mm-hmm. that you were groomed for abuse? That's a tough one.
1: It is a tough one. And that was actually the description that came up, but it made sense. Uh, so uh, a covert narcissist, and I know the word narcissist is thrown around very loosely, mm-hmm. but if you are raised by a covert narcissist, uh, you're probably going to marry them as well, which I did. That's part of my story. Um uh, and which makes my story such a story of hope, but a covert narcissistic parent raises you to um, like, there's really sweetness. Like my mom is so beautiful and has a soft voice, never cusses, you know, like it, you, I thought she was just the most amazing woman in the world, but it was based on look like back now is based on the cool things that she did it was never about anything that she uh she didn't embrace me there was never a, a hug there was never a i love you um so she painted this really pretty picture of her which all it it, it looks great um but there was no conversations and so um I had the freedom. I had no boundaries at a very young age. I at age 13 I was a drug addict and uh which allowed my mother to um save me, so to speak. Covert narcissists like for you to be messed up so they can save you. So then they can make you feel bad about who you are so they can keep saving you. And it it's just this confusing Uh, relationship
0: um so what do you mean when you say there was never conversation like it was a house of silence (laughs) yes
1: i never never heard my parents argue ever okay Um, so we didn't eat we never ate around the dinner table i don't remember a, a, a meal around the dinner table we just all ate wherever we wanted to um that could be in our bedroom it could be in the living room watching tv um so example when I was uh 11 I was one of the girls with you know some girls in school developed early and I was one of those early developers okay and you know there's all these childhood things that you know you're you're accused of in back then in the in the uh, early 70s the 70s if if you were the girl with boobs, you know, you got talked about. And um, someone came up to me once and asked me if I was a virgin. And I said, no, I thought that was a bad word. I didn't know the word virgin. And I thought, I, you know, because things said about me, like I'd been with boys and like I'd done things which wasn't true. And I was just so devastated. So when I was asked if I was a virgin, I said, no. And I remember this so clearly. They said, you mean you've done it? You know, remember, this is like 11-year-old conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I said, no, I've never done it. And I'm not a virgin either. And <laughs> I didn't know what that meant. And then when I found out what it meant, I was devastated. And then um, when I had a, uh, my first son, my first child was a son. I had him at 18. Um, got married in July, pregnant in June. No, got, I graduated from high school in May. Can
0: I just pause for a second? Oh. Yes. So I want I don't want to jump that far in advance. Okay. But thank now, you. Diana. So eleven. You're having this conversation. Are you a virgin or not? How did that conversation lead to drug addiction at thirteen? I want to just pull those pieces together.
1: That's good. Thank you. So I just. So those are the conversations I never had uh, with my mother. Um. So my older brother was, uh, into a bad boy, white game gang is what I call it. But my mom would allow them all to hang out at my house. She was really geared for boys, not, not me. Okay. And uh, my, uh, so I was, I was raped by my brother's friend. He was oh, like the, the gang later. And, um, in my childhood, my older brother would always hurt me and I would always tell my mom, like, mom, John's doing this or like he would literally get on my head and just all kinds of things physically hurt me. And I would tell my mom and she would say, well, if you wouldn't do this, then he wouldn't do that. And so I was raised to not. Like, if I got hurt, it was going to be my fault. And so I just didn't say anything. and. I I am this resilient person by nature. I could put a smile on my face and everything's good, you know, and I praise God for that because it, it was uh, like a survival skill of mine, uh, to, to get through life. So at 13, when the sexual abuse started, I, uh, I was offered also by my brother, my older brother, um, you know, smoking pot. And then of course, then you find the kids your age that are also doing that. And so at age 13, I was uh, doing, smoking a lot of pot. And then at age 14, I was doing uh, acid, mushroom, you know, all this stuff of the seventies, like if you were to offer me the drugs, I'd be like, yeah, (laughs) I didn't know I was self-medicating. um, But I certainly, I remember wishing I could tell my mother things that Mm. were going on, but I just couldn't tell her. And, um, yeah, so that
0: feels very hopeless, especially as a child to feel like you have these things happening to you. And when you try to reveal them, you're being blamed that somehow it's your fault. So you're does that make you a victim or I'm trying to wrap my head around that? Like how, how did that make you feel mitzy as a child? Just to say, I'm not allowed to talk about this. I'm not allowed to speak the pain that I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. And then I'm in a, this situation where people are just, I don't know. I, I have this feeling like it's like they're set out to destroy you in some way. They're going to do all these things, giving you all of these things. So how did you escape that? When was the first time that you realized that you were resilient enough that you could keep moving forward? Even as you said, you were trying to numb yourself. Mhm.
1: Right. Without even knowing it. That's the thing is like, um, when your story, whatever your story is, it's norm, it's your normal. And so I didn't have anything to compare it to. So I just, I, that was just, that was my normal. Um, so when I was 16, I was kind of the latter end of 16. I uh, met some people there back in the late seventies. There was a lot of uh, coffee house ministries right. around, and Jesus people hung out there. You know, that was the <laughs> that was quite the time. And um, I was invited to go listen to a band play, and of course, I was looking for uh, and someone's ID card. <laughs> I was sixteen, looking for an eighteen year old's ID card, so I could go get on the airman. Go to the Airman's Club and drink. I don't know. Never done that before. I just thought it sounded cool, you know. And um, thankfully, the friend who I called, her brother answered and invited me instead to come to this place where Jesus people hung out, which I used to make fun of them. You know, I was like, sure, yeah, sure, Michael you know, but I couldn't find anything else to do. And there was something inside of me that thought, okay, you know, Michael's cool enough. If he likes it, I'll do it. And so I went and I met love. I met Jesus. I, the, the love of God that I met there was compared to nothing else I've ever known. I mean, I never knew love. I, you know, so I uh, really, I can't, couldn't even see anything. So now I'm the, so now I'm the girl that everyone, I'm carrying my Bible around. I'm even carrying it to parties, you know, where everyone's doing the drugs and the drinking and I am and I wasn't doing any of it, but I just was so in love with everybody. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like he's real. And then I remember, cause I never beat anyone over the head with the, with the word of God. I just was so excited. I wanted to share and um so I gradually quit going to the parties because I realized that you know I just I just didn't fit in there anymore. Still loved them. Um, but I just didn't fit in there anymore. You so said you were uh,
0: a drug addict at 13 and then mm-hmm. at 16 you found Jesus.
1: I did, yes. So was
0: that was that the recovery period or did you stay involved with the drugs? You said you went to the party still.
1: I did, I did I did. I love the people. But <clears throat> but I realized that we didn't, you know, we were kind of in two different spaces. Okay. So I did keep going. Now here's the interesting thing. Uh if you will. Just because you meet the Lord, you know, you get born again. If you have all these hidden deep abusive things inside of you, like I did, uh, they don't go away. Like your body keeps the score. And, um, so mind you, I didn't understand healthy relationships and in the church are unhealthy people. Right. So I married this guy, um, right out of high school and, uh, he was, uh, he had his own issues from childhood and he was, uh, physically abusive. And, um, so I entered into an extremely abusive, uh, marriage. So I was, uh, I was beat a lot. We had two children. Um, and like I said, he, he had his own issues. Uh, I'm not, um, okaying anything that he did, But I I am aware that he just needed healing just as much as I needed healing. Still, I couldn't stay in that marriage. I Actually, a friend came over and said, I'm getting you out of here because, you know, the death threats were coming and um, I couldn't save myself, you know. And so she got me out of the marriage. Um, And this is my story. And I used to be very ashamed of talking about it, but I'm not ashamed anymore uh, I divorced and married five times, five times. What does shame do (laughs) when you're ashamed
0: of your story? What, what does that do to you spiritually, mentally, physically from your experience?
1: Um, from my experience, shame was, uh, I didn't really even understand the word. Once again, it's just something that's normal. You don't understand. You don't know it till you know it. right? Shame kept me um, held back and just using my survival skills like (laughs) no one would ever know I've had my story that I've had because I was really good about, you know, showing up with a smile and, and loving on people. See, that's one thing that has never changed. I love people. That is genuine. That is real. I I don't care how messed up you are. I just see hope for everybody because of Jesus. And even even my perpetrators, the Lord taught me about forgiveness in such a supernatural way Mm -hmm. that I can tell you I don't harbor any hate or anything in my heart for anyone that's ever hurt me. And I mean, beat me, <laughs> uh discarded me, all kinds of, you name it. And it is by my hope that I have in Jesus that I have not been totally wrecked. Um, now, there are some things I had to learn. Because I had to sit with the Lord and say, why have I stepped into five unhealthy relationships? What is that? Obviously, that's about me. Mm-hmm. What is that about? And the Lord took me through boundaries. Remember, I was not raised with I didn't know what a boundary was. I had no idea what a boundary was. Um, so I went through learning about boundaries. Blue, so what did you learn yellow.
0: about boundaries? Because uh, I these are all words when we think of it, Mitzi, you know, narcissism, you know, boundaries, you know, shame. They seem to be so much out in the world that I think that sometimes when we, when we use these words all the time, we can dilute the meaning of it. So if we, why don't we connect the three of them? I
1: love that.
0: I, I didn't have boundaries, narcissism, and then the shame and and what the Lord was doing with you and yes. for you to yes. teach you about those. So what what does boundaries mean from a biblical sense? What, what it, was Jesus teaching you about boundaries?
1: Oh, I love that. So the thing about boundaries that I had to learn was that, um, oh gosh, that's such a good question. I had to learn that it is a good thing. Safety is a good thing. So boundaries... I had to view boundaries like a like a like a gate like a fence around my yard, you okay. know. So so to so per, so to protect a child from running out in the street, um, a, a fence is there. Okay, okay? boundary to to keep um, perhaps a, a a dog a vicious dog from coming at the child. You know, in in the there's a boundary. There's a protection. And so, uh, a boundary for me had to be a protection, um, from people, uh, and, and for me, like I had to honor my own boundaries. I had to teach people how to honor my boundaries and I had to honor my own boundaries. For example, um, oh, a good example is in a relationship let's go back to the relationships that I that I've had so many of um if I was if something was said to me that was confusing like you know gaslighting is one thing that someone will try to make you think that you didn't say this or you didn't say that or you did do this and you know that you absolutely like that's not true so what I used to do is beg someone to believe me that that wasn't true I would beg to the point where I'd be crying and I'd be like having this emotional breakdown because I knew the truth and they were accusing me that it wasn't true. So a boundary had to come into where whenever something was confusing to me, like that person is speaking like in a very confusing way that doesn't make sense. I had to understand that um, I didn't have to engage in that conversation. Can
0: you give an example of someone saying something? I I want to be, so people hearing this can be crystal clear.
1: Thank you. Okay.
0: Speaking out about boundaries and what the Lord was saying. So sometimes we, what were they? Because when I'm hearing this, I'm hearing that the Lord is saying, I want you to be aware Like we can build a fence and I'm hearing, I'm not building a fence to keep people out. I'm building a fence to keep a certain type of person out, but I'm also building a gate to let certain people in. Mm, That's good. So what were the things, what was an example of someone trying to gaslight you? Again, I want to be specific so that other people can go like,
1: yeah,
0: I yeah, have the language of what that means. So you did a beautiful job with the boundary. Thank so you. give us an example of gaslighting.
1: An example of gaslighting uh, would be like, um, well, for example, uh, gosh, I could go into a, 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 a marriage of mine. Um, being a bunch of, uh, Phone calls on a phone bill, for example. Okay. That he was having with, he was having an affair, and it was with this woman. And so when you ask about it, the answer is, I don't know why they're on there. So the fault was in the phone company putting these numbers. Like it didn't exist. Like the numbers did not exist. I'm making it up. I'm insecure. I'm jealous you know that's not there. So it's literally something's there.
0: It's concrete. There's concrete evidence.
1: Yeah, that- but you're being told that you're crazy like it doesn't I don't know why it's there. Like I have no idea why it's there. Um and and no desire to even have a conversation about it. Um another another good example was uh just happened last year actually. I um I was being told, I was trying to be rescued. So this is where I saw my boundaries are really good. It was a friend. She was trying to rescue me, trying to help me, trying to save me. And those are the unhealthy people. Um, And because I wouldn't allow her to rescue me, meaning she was telling me what I needed to do, how I needed to do it. Uh, If I didn't do it, she wouldn't respect me at all. And, um, because I was telling her I am trusting God, you know, in this situation, um, I was told that I was very ungrateful for her help. I was a very ungrateful person that she was, she even told me that she was afraid of me, (laughs) that she didn't want me in her house because she was afraid of me. And I was just like, it was so bizarre. And once again, the first time it was so nice I wasn't confused by the behavior I saw it for exactly what it was and I um I I, I actually was staying at her house for a couple of months and I realized that the Lord was just directing me to you know get my things out and and be kind You know, I didn't engage with any, uh, argument or, or I did not try to defend myself because I know the truth and, um, and I, and I had to leave her place. So I hope that helps. But, um, the gaslighting was trying, she was trying to gaslight me. She was trying to pull me in and, um, I just didn't engage with her and, and I prayed for her when I drove away, um. Because, you know, I didn't want any connection to anything negative.
0: And and this is something I'm I'm trying to understand. Do we send signals that we're attracting people like that? And then Mm -hmm. once we sort of break through this cycle, we're putting up these God-given boundaries that he's directing you to, Mm -hmm. that there's less of an attraction or more of you being able to put up that fence? Because I hear two sides. Mitzi's warm and kind and sweet and loves people, which could attract people, but that at the same time as they're rushing through the gate, there's people that are sneaking through that shouldn't be in there.
1: Yes. Yes. I, I absolutely do believe that we attract that. Um now this particular uh female, I've been I've known her since I was 16. And and remember my my ability to have relationship examples. uh, I, I didn't have, I didn't have it from my parents and I, I didn't have it, um, early on in my, my years as a believer. Uh, so I, I, I allowed, um, so, so this particular girl, I allowed her to say things to me that weren't nice. And I'd be like, oh, that's just Susie I'm making that name up that's just Susie she doesn't mean it you know so I took it on and then I'm like she doesn't mean it (laughs) well she did but so I stayed in the relationship and um, uh, I just always took the abuse downplaying it downsizing it and so years later when she sees an opportunity, uh, I was homeless all last year. Uh, When she saw an opportunity to rescue me, I'm like, oh, how sweet. She wants to help me. You know, she's my sister. And um, it was really good at first. It's called that love bombing stage. Everything's just so great. It pulls you in. You feel so loved and cared for. And then you start saying, wait, you start feeling this hand kind of go towards your throat of control. Like you have to do this. You have to think this way. You Um, so anyways, uh, but I see the signs now, I recognize the signs. Um, and with men too, you know, I have, I have, uh, things will be said to me and I, where I used to think, oh, it would be so rude not to answer this guy. It would be so rude for me to say, look, stop, you know, leave me alone or know that I don't owe you an answer period. I used to think it would be so mean for me not to give an answer or a response, and now I'm like, absolutely not. I don't owe you anything. I don't owe you, anything. Um, now, if you were to ask me a hard question, and uh, and I and I feel safe with you, like it's a, I'm all about talking through the hard questions and, and working through messy life together jointly. Um, but you know, if somebody is upset with you because you won't answer them, for example, let's just say with a male situation. Any single women out there? <laughs> some guy messaged me and said he liked my content, and and we were practically neighbors, and he owns a yacht. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: and I was like. I didn't answer him. I'm like, I, why do I care? You know, that was my thought. Whereas before, before I would have said, oh, well, thank you for liking my stuff. And wow, how cool that you want a yacht. Great. Because the next thing would have been, you want to come, you know, <laughs> you want to go for a ride on my yacht. You know, I know the, the, this, this, story and I just didn't answer him. And, uh, Percy reached out and, you know, why won't you answer me? I don't understand I just um, I don't have to go there. And I don't feel like I mean, <laughs> you know, I don't feel like that's, um,
0: yeah. So if you had to, let's say we're, we're going to rewind your story a little bit. And mm-hmm. if you had to give someone tips on how to really s- establish boundaries, because it seems to me being in a narcissistic relationship that you were with your mother and other people that you've met in your life, you know, there, there's um, a whole methodology to what they do. And you mm-hmm. become someone that they're very attractive to. What are some things that, you know, these are the, the five things that Mitzi has learned right now that you could say no to the guy with the yacht. <laughs> Where before it sounds like you're, you're very interested in not hurting others. And by doing that, you've hurt yourself time and time again. Oh, yes. What would you say? What are the five things, three things, two things? Give us some nuggets of saying, don't do this. What are some warning signs or not a warning sign? What are some recommendations that you would give to say, when this happens, do this? Do you have those?
1: Wow. I need to write that in the, my a chapter in my book, for sure. <laughs> I think it is a chapter. It's very much
0: because it's it continues to happen. You it know, does. I just look whenever I get a message on Facebook and someone gives me a compliment, I just delete it. I don't even respond to it. I delete it. Mm-hmm. I, I have not been in that type of relationship. And mm-hmm. it is when you're alone. You know, I'm a widow. I've never been alone before. And I'm saying, I am really cool being alone because mm. I'm in relationship with someone else. And I'm okay. good with that. You know, I mm. mean, Jesus, we, we can be here together, which is very.
1: Amen. Important. Amen. So what are
0: some things that you can say the, the difference between the love you felt with Jesus. Let mm-hmm. me ask this a different way. Did you ever feel like you had to do something? to please him like you had to do for other people to mm, please
1: them? No, no, uh, absolutely not. And I know that a lot of people that is their story, it's it's, it's absolutely not mine. Um, I've never even been mad at God. I've always blamed myself for everything going wrong. I can tell you, I honestly have never been mad at God because I've always thought I'm the problem the five tips that i would give i would say first and foremost um we all have this innate desire to be loved to love and be loved and until we have this i'm a firm believer this relationship with god who is love we will never come to understand what love looks like so the word of god says to love me with all your heart soul mind uh and body and strength and to love others as you love yourself. I believe it's not spoken d- properly when we say love God love others. If we don't love God and through God get that ability to love ourselves, we cannot in a healthy way love others or even understand what healthy love looks like. Which is what I've always done in my life. I've loved others, but I didn't know what it looked like to receive love or to even love myself. So I had all this unhealthy, you know, love relationships, first and foremost, love relationship with God in that you learn your value, you learn your beauty, you learn, you know, your design, you, you really learn how valuable you are and the gifts that you have that are so unique. Like, I love, unique, I love uniqueness, <laughs> if that's a word. I love it. Like, I love to be in a room, hundreds of people, and everyone's so different. I'm like, I love all of you. But, um, and so then uh, with that understanding of loving God and loving yourself, then there could be that healthy love for others. And with that, you see. So another po- point is don't ignore the red flags. I look up the word I looked up the word red flag. A red flag is a warning. It is a warning signal that a storm's coming or something, you know, something is something harmful is before sure. you. And so a red flag would be, so with a covert narcissist, covert is kind of like under the radar. Nice, looks nice, but there's a knife going in your back. You know, it's like, that's why it's so confusing. With an overt narcissist, they're like, you're this, you're that. So that's overt. There's no denying that cruelty. But the covert is confusing. In your gut, there are those checks and you're like, ah, oh, I don't I don't know. That doesn't seem right. But it's but they seem nice. Don't ignore the red flags. So for example, one of the relationships I, I uh, walked into and married, um, was, hey, God told me, and they use God, God told me to give you this credit card so that you can get gas and food. And I'm thinking, oh, that's so nice. But I will tell you, this is why I can't, that's why I can't talk bad about the guy. Cause I'm like, God, what is it about me that I ignored when he did that? God was already taking care of me. You know, was I lacking certain things? I was, but God was wanting me to sit with him and learn and see him as my provider. So I, I ignored the red flag to say, oh, that's so nice, but I can't accept it. Just I didn't want to be mean and turn turn that down because after all, God said, but in my heart, I knew I had a check and I ignored it. So yeah, don't ignore the red flags. Um if don't someone is to your gut. Listen God, to
0: God gave us that God's positioning system, the or our internal GPS. That says yes. something's wrong, but you've um, been hardwired to believe yeah. that you just have to be nice. Yes. You're so afraid to hurt other people. that, w- And I think that that's where so many Christians were feeling like we have to love God and then we have to love others. But he says, love others as you love yourself.
1: Yeah, that's the revelation.
0: And that's that's the part to saying if you're not loving yourself, and sometimes loving yourself, this is where the lack of boundaries is about saying no. I love myself to say no to you. I love myself because you can't give that love to anyone else if you're not giving it to yourself first.
1: And then you can't.
0: Many people can say that's being selfish. We're saying, no, I am taking that love that God's giving me. And if I am not, Immersed in his love, then I'm always going to be looking for love in all the wrong places.
1: Right, right. <laughs> that's absolutely right. And and I did, and that, and that's my story. And um, so yes, very, very, very important to to not ignore those red flags. Um,
0: As a young girl at the age of eleven, and I know that you're in in a home that didn't support that. Mm -hmm. And this is where, you know, speaking to young women right now, so that they can become this woman warrior that you have become or are becoming, that Mm -hmm. we are going to want to be loved. God planted that in our heart. He planted us that desire to be loved and to be loved and to give love. And we have to get it from him first. And, you know, to learn your value, to just say I am valuable because God sees the value in me. Otherwise he wouldn't have sent his son to save me. Right. Mm -hmm. Looking for that, those gifts that you have, and you have a gift of love, but we've always been told that strength that we have, if we overuse it, it's like going around in circles, Mm
1: -hmm. that
0: gift of love, you kept on steering the boat with that one oar, and you would just kept on going in circles. Right from one relationship to another but my guess is with every single relationship there was a red flag like a flare shot up or shot down someone warning you and as you said you're taking responsibility you ignored the signals they were there (laughs) you just didn't see so what would step four be How, how do you you now know the love, you now know your va- value, you now are listening to those signals. What's step number four?
1: Step number four <clears throat> would be healthy community.
0: Talk to me about that. How do you find or build a healthy community?
1: So uh, the Lord taught me all last year during my homeless year, which was the most amazing year of my life, okay. but God told me, showed me all the relationships that I needed to cut, sever. And I'm talking with female friends as well.
0: So to cut, why did he want you to cut the relationships? What type of relationships were you cutting?
1: They were the relationships that were uh, trying to rescue me and save me. And along with that comes, um, if you don't allow them to do that, then you hear things like, you are selfish. You think you're better than everybody because you won't. You know, I was told, go get a job at Hobby Lobby. Nothing wrong with Hobby Lobby workers, but I have a profession, like I'm a lymphatic therapist. And I knew that God had something really big for me. And that's what I was pursuing. And I was told that I uh, that I was selfish, and I thought I was better than anybody, than everybody, because I wouldn't go just go get a job. And um, anyhow, I could go on and on with the list of the things that were being said about me. Okay. Uh, when you're looking
0: at that healthy community cut relationships, and uh-huh. this is very interesting that people were trying to be your rescuer and your savior.
1: Hmm. Certain people.
0: So is Not that, a lot? Do they have that God that they, they, they have that? I, I don't know what you call it. Like they think they're like God replacements for you.
1: You know, I don't know. But these were people that I've had long term relationships with girlfriends that I taught how to treat me over the years. And it was it was time for me to go, you know what? I, because I wasn't allowed to they didn't want to engage in conversation with me. It was always a one-way conversation, but I always let it be that way just because I was like, oh, that's how they are. Um, but when I finally stood strong, my warrior woman, and had my and using my voice out of kindness, so you can be kind and strong at the same time. I always thought I had to be like a, a B word, you know, yeah. to get respect. And the Lord's like, no, I made you this way. I just had to learn how to be that warrior woman, kind and strong. And these relationships that try to rescue, they don't want to have a relationship with me anymore because I had a voice finally. I I finally had my voice and they chose to, um, you know, it's interesting. In one way, I cut them off. In another way, they just they left, right? because there was no pursuit. There wasn't like, Oh, Mitzi, no, I really, I love you. There was none of that. So, so not only did I, so I pretty much I set my boundary and they're like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be in, in your friend anymore, which was just a sign that my strong voice wasn't welcome in their world.
0: Well, how I, did you know that you claimed or reclaimed your voice? What were what was the difference in your life when you feel like, wait, I can have a gentle and loving voice and it can be a strong one. When What happened when that went like, oh, like I can do this. I can be my unique self and still be strong.
1: Yes, I think that um, hopefully I'm answering this correctly, but. And that finally happened when I really chose to trust God to the next level, that just that next level, like, gosh, that's such a good question. But I started using my voice, like instead of, um, you know, instead of my default childhood days where I just didn't say anything because I didn't want people to get mad at me. Yeah, I just started speaking my truth that this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm believing God for. It's amazing how many people do not understand those words. This is what I'm believing God for and I'm taking action in it. I was actively looking for the right job. Um because for a year I'm living at I lived at five different homes last year. Um just really like trusting God like where do I go? Because for the first time in my life I'm not going to let anyone rescue me, <laughs> you know? And so um the Amazing! When I, I'm telling you, when you trust God to that level, He's like, "Oh, baby girl, here, here, here," and doors started opening up. I had this woman say, "Hey, I need a personal assistant because she owned a, a real estate uh, insurance company. It was open enrollment season, and she, I need a personal assistant. Would you be able to do that for me for like three months?" That job enabled me because it was a good income to uh, find a home for me to live in. Which is where I'm. I am now. For the first time in my life, I'm on my own. I am on my own, and no. And I didn't think I could ever do that. Um, you know, I was always looking for the husband to, because like my mom, you know, was a stay at home wife, and and she kept a really nice home, and my dad took care of her and everything. And I was just like, I want to do that, and then I get to be free, being mom and helping people in the community, whatever. But anyhow, that was a squirrel. But I am on my own. The bills are coming in. So the Lord just really like opened up this window for this extra income to come in for me to establish a place. And then I found this job like six minute drive away to work as a massage therapist, lymphatic therapist. That was really cool. Now, he told me you're not putting roots down here. Because when you work for someone, they get almost half of your hard-earned money. So August the 1st, I will be opening up another uh, therapist and I, we were going in to uh, rent this place together. So it's just ours. I'm not sharing my my hard-earned money with anybody. Um, I'll be doing workshops there. I'll be doing all kinds of things. So the, so the Lord progressively just took me as I trusted him and he he just proves himself over and over as my provision and my love and I don't need to be rescued by anybody on any level. And, um, I still get to be Mitzi.
0: (laughs) How does that new found freedom feel?
1: Ah, well, it is new. New describes it well. I'm sixty years old. I've never known it before. So I, it just, it feels like I am, for the first time in my life, uh, I understand what, um, what relationship with people looks like. Healthy relationship with people, not just guys, but women, friends, community. Um, freedom is truly a good definition of it. I don't feel bound. I don't feel I don't feel locked in. I don't feel um he, you know held down. I I I feel like the sky's the limit, not like the sky's not like there's just no limitation um to what God has for me and what I can step into because it's still my choice, you know. I, I get to step into it.
0: This is 60 years of a very hard life. Is that okay for me to say that?
1: Yes. Because I could hold it together here, it might not look hard to people, but in here, yes. Abuse. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So hard. So you, this freedom, you fought, you suffered. Yeah. You, you've done so much to fight for that freedom. And you probably didn't realize that you were fighting the whole time.
1: That's true.
0: (laughs) So how are you going to fight different now that you have this freedom to never let ever let ever, ever let any one person or situation or circumstance take that away from you? What are you going to do differently?
1: Mm. Well, i <clears throat> what I am doing differently okay. <clears throat> is um just um living what I teach, you know, because it 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 health all starts in in your thoughts in your mind, and that's where it started with me. I had to understand that um, the words that were being spoken to me were being held in my body, body keeps the score, and they would always come up. And then I would make agreements with them and they were unhealthy. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I have learned uh, and I continue to learn how to recognize thoughts, discard them, <laughs> you know, uh, replace them with truth, um, um, food and drink choices. You know, I, I I teach that in my lymphatic health coaching as well. And it's in my book, Lymphatic uh, Health and You Made Simple. Um, our food and our drink choices, if we're not healthy in our mind and our emotions, <clears throat> they actually kind of, they they um, can, can create foggy thinking, you know, so the food feeds the body. It's going to be either feeding positively or negatively. Um, it all works together so synergistically, doesn't it? And, um, I've learned to breathe, <laughs> um, breath and body movement, uh, you know, people that are, um, living in trauma, hold their breath a lot and they're not even aware of it. Um, it's the survival skill.
0: But I want to go back to help that people understand the thoughts and then the replacement. So give us an example of a, of a Mitzi thought that, would, that, that we've auto-programmed ourselves. We have no idea. The mm-hmm. world has programmed us and continues to program us. And then we sort of accept or reject that programming. And when you've mm-hmm. accepted it year after year after year, as you said, that's going to be a powerful force that's fighting against years of programming. So if we we look at our brain like a Google search, mm-hmm. so if, the minute you would type in something, you would, you would get that thought. So, so something happens, someone says something to you or you think something, then we have an automatic feeling and thought that comes with it. How do you yeah. do that replacement? Because that is so hard.
1: <laughs> it so is wow. hard. It is very hard. And I'm glad that you said that because it's not a matter of going up. Oh. I'm blessed and highly favored, you know, and just, <laughs> yeah. having that. And, and I'm not dismissing that because that's yeah. true. We are blessed and highly favored, but you are right to say it is hard. It is work mm-hmm. and it, it is pressing in and it is believing the Romans uh, 12, two do not be conformed to the ways of the world. Mm-hmm. The ways of the world are, you know, just kind of giving in and accepting failure and you know blowing it off but but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and i don't like to stop there because the rest of it says to prove the good and acceptable will of god so i knew that as i continued this hard work in 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 taking out and putting in that transformation would take place and it was always to prove god's good and acceptable will for me He's good. And so when a thought would come up, like, of course, things don't work out for you, Mitzi. Of course, things don't work out for you. It's just it's always this way. It will always be this way. Mm -hmm. And I last year, I memorized Psalm 23. I can memorize it in my sleep all the time. And so that answer is, oh, no, surely and absolutely goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so when I have this thought that nothing's going to work out, like things just follow me, like, you know, that's just, I'm like, nope. What follows me is goodness and mercy, goodness and mercy. And so I believe that memorizing scripture is vital so that in those times where those thoughts just pop, like oh, you'd be driving your car and this thought comes out of nowhere, like boom, you know, and you're like, oh. It does so,
0: feel like a punch. You're not seeing her do this, but it feels like a punch. It's, Someone's it's, trying to knock you out. They're going to try to take you out
1: again. Yes, yes. And if, as we memorize the word of God, which is alive, right, and which is putting on Christ the armor of God is putting on Christ. I love that. The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, the belt of truth, the feet of shod with the gospel of peace. Simply put, that's just putting on Christ. And so I believe that as we memorize scripture verse, so one of the, my favorite scripture verse is 1 John 4, 8. It's what I teach my grandkids. First scripture verse, I teach them because they think they can't memorize. I'm like, oh, yeah, you can. Three words. God is love. Oh, you know. So anytime a thought comes into my mind that is uh, like a a hopeless thought that um, I'll never know love, that's such a lie and immediately that's just oh that that's such a lie you know god is love and in that love relationship he's so good to me he's so good to me and that hope that is in love is indescribable it's just indescribable so the invitation to everyone is you got to know (laughs) You've got to experience this through this intimacy with, with Christ. You've just got to.
0: Well, I, I think what if I'm looking back, and here's a non-believer that that might be listening, and when I'm looking and saying, but God did not step in and save Mitzi when her, you know, brother's friend was raping her. He did not protect her from all these men. Mm-hmm. He didn't protect her from these female relationships he you had. He didn't protect her from homelessness. Mm. What is your response to what they are going to say that God isn't good?
1: I love that question. And thank you for asking me because it's a, it's a fair question. Mm-hmm. That is such a fair question. If we think about God is love, love requires choice in a love relationship you get to choose to love each other in a domineering relationship you don't get to choose love in um four of my five marriages where it was like i had to do this i had to do that i had to do this like i just i i didn't have a choice to love so love requires relationship so unfortunately the heart of man that is not transformed by God's redeeming love makes some really bad choices. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just we just I've done it in my life, we just do it. So yes, a lot of bad things happened to me. Lots of bad things. I believe that God, he was there. I believe that he is why I am so resilient, why I can always see the best in everybody. And his goodness is so good like there's nothing that's ever happened to me that hasn't been redeemed by his love. And now I get to speak to women who have been abused, sexually abused. Like my sexual abuse goes a lot deeper than that. I mean, I can tell you about a police officer. I could tell you about a counselor, pastor. I could tell you about stories of being sexually abused. There's a lot of it. Wow. So I get to bring hope to women uh or men um that think I'll never be well again I'll never be able to think again I'll never be free of it again I'll never it's always going to be with me and it's always going to control me I get to be that hope to them like oh that's not true I that is so not true that is the love of God like it takes something that you know feels ugly and like there's this washing there's this cleansing there's there's this You know, there's this renewal and it's real. And once again, unless you experience it, it will always just be words to you or empty words to you.
0: Free will. And there have been times God and I have had these conversations. (laughs) Why did you give me free will if my will has caused my will, my will, my choice, has Mm -hmm. caused probably, I'll say, 90% of my pain. I'm not saying all of it. There's been, you know, other people who've breathed Mm -hmm. into it. I have a very different life story, but I've made bad choices myself. And Mm -hmm. I love, you know, one of the first uh, verses that I memorized. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Mm -hmm. Those who are called according to his purpose. So you're living proof of that that you are gonna turn all I'm gonna cry all your heartache all your shame all your pain and you're gonna use it to good to yeah. show God's love because you are love you're Mitzi love for me said <laughs> <laughs> and you're gonna you're gonna pour that onto other people yes and you're gonna do what God did for you he's gonna you're gonna help set them free Amen. You're going to give them power like they've never had before. Mm -hmm. And you would not be able to speak this if it Mm -hmm. wasn't for everything that you've been through. You would have Mm -hmm. been just like an empty voice. That's right. Because they're going to say, you don't know. And you can say, I do know. Mm -hmm. I do know what sexual abuse feels like. I do know what empty love and control and mm-hmm. false promises feel like I've lived that. And mm-hmm. I'm saying I stepped out of that and chose something different. Yes. The same choices that got you into trouble, that same free will, is mm-hmm. getting you into something so awesome. So I want yeah. you to talk about and your too. part and the the woman. I'm a warrior. I'm a big crybaby.
1: <laughs> I um, love it. <laughs> me too. Um, Yes, yes, part talking of my the summit mm-hmm, on the summit, the three day summit. So it's actually four days. August the second, it starts just get to know us, you know. And then August eleventh, twelfth, and thirteenth, the eleventh and twelfth, you're gonna get four four of us women warrior coaches talking about our unique posture. And then on the third day, Ernestine shepherd oh my gosh, oldest uh, female bodybuilder in the world she's just amazing. I love her. So anyways, um, so yes, I will be talking about um, the lymphatic health and uh, how to support like everything I just told you, how to support our lymphatic flow, that fluid that flows in us, that cleans up our body for your thoughts, um, food and drink and breath and body movement. The other thing that I'll be teaching, I'm the only single woman on the panel and so um you know a lot of women talk about oh you know i want my boaz i can't wait for my boaz and if you study the book of ruth what i love about the book of ruth is that yes ruth found boaz but she wasn't looking she wasn't like preparing herself for boaz she made a commitment to her mother-in-law naomi because her husband had died and she says your people will be my people and your God will be my God. And so this woman, Ruth, of great integrity, meant every word of that. So when she went with Ruth back to her people, Ruth was so committed to caring for her mother-in-law, Naomi, that she was actively going out and, you know, gathering up the she, is it the sheaves the, you know, the leftover wheat that, that were, that was left behind. Right. and. Uh, her commitment of loving and honoring her mother-in-law was so noticed by boaz that he brought her in so i th- my heart for single women is to understand this love relationship i encourage everyone to read song of psalms in the passion translation and i would never read song of psalms because it Made me sad. It made me depressed. And about four weeks ago, I went to a um church and um just praying. It was a little church and someone put something in my hand while I was praying. And it was a piece of paper and on it said, You are truly his rose and uh Song of Solomon 2 1. And I thought, "A oh God, why are you why? Song of Solomon, you know, and so I went home and i like, okay, Lord, I'll read it. I'll try. And I got my translation out and I fell asleep. Couldn't do it. Then the Lord directed me to this Bible, the Passion Translation. I'm like, okay. So I picked it up and I discovered songs, of Psalms is in there. And in verse 2 1, it says, You are true. I am truly his rose. And I thought, that's the translation on this letter that was put in my hand, the Passion Translation. So I started reading it. And, this, and the Passion Translation is totally about what it was meant to be the love relationship with God. And, and you,
0: okay.
1: I I can tell you now there's eight chapters in the song of Solomon song of songs. how I like to say, I can tell it. I read it every single day. I can't get enough of it. It is such a sweet, sweet picture of this love relationship that he has with us. So sweet. And so I love that to say, see, I get so excited about when I'm talking about my love, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I want to ask you a question.
0: Where did you get the last name of love?
1: I'm so glad you asked. I was wanting to tell you. In coming out of my last divorce, in a divorce decree, if you want to change your last name, you can write then and there. So you come out of it with a new name. And I it was such a such a triggering name for me. I didn't want to come out of it with this last name. And so I sat with God and I'm like, I can change my name. What? What is my last name? What does my last name need to be? Need to be God. And I was silly going through all these last names, you know, and I thought nothing makes sense. God, what should my last name be? And he said, love. <laughs> and I'm like, I get to take on you. Like I get to take your name on. Like, that's it. That's okay. how I got in love. Awesome. I, I just sat down with love and he told me to take his name on.
0: Okay. I have such bad goosebumps right now. So thank thank you for that. Makes sense, doesn't it? It, it does, because who are you? And when um, the Lord told me this, I don't know how long ago, we'll say be at, at least 12, I was doing purpose work to become a purpose. I've been afraid of so many different things that God's called me to do. And mm-hmm. one of the things he told me is I bring hope to the hopeless and i'm like i don't know how to do this that is not the tagline i won it's like calling a bunch of you know loser people who can't figure out (laughs) i was one of those i was one of those and when uh he moved me down to florida and you know i'm sitting by my window back there and i'm in like a deep meditation i said just Tell me, I am so tired. Please make it clear. What do you want me to do? And he, the hope station, which he gave to me a year, maybe two years ago. Uh, Lord, how do I bring hope to the hopeless? I, I don't I don't know how to do that. I don't know if I have that much hope inside of me. And then it that's why I have it like you pull on into the hope station. I'm just bringing it, and you have brought hope to so many people with what you're going to do so who should arrive not at the hope station but through the hope station to mitzi love and to the summit what type of people are you calling to come and listen to what you have to give
1: Mm, i love that so my my particular um I speak to women over 50 who think that their life is just useless. Um, they've never done anything right. They're unhealthy. They don't think there's any hope for them. And they just think that their life is just over. Um, and I just bring that message. It's I love the name of your your thing, because I've always said that I just bring that message of hope. That it, no matter what, like it's, you no. Know, I, I actually have that tattooed on my arm. No matter what, <laughs> no matter what, God sees you. Yeah, you can see it when I play my guitar. <laughs> um,
0: well, Mitzi Love does sound a little bit like a rock star. That's a myth. <laughs>
1: yeah, right.
0: There's Courtney Love. Now there's Mitzi Love, right? Uh, you're, you're delivering a very different message though
1: <laughs> i am yay um yeah so just the women that uh that believe that they're just uh, you know they wasted their life and there's no hope and they're and they're suffering in every single way in emotionally physically um mentally and um i'm just like not only do i see you that God sees you.
0: I want to thank you so much, Mitzi, for your vulnerability, for your honesty to share. I'm going to just put it the good, the bad, and the ugly, you know, to really show us uh, what God can do with us broken vessels. So I just want to thank you so much for, as I said, pulling into the Hope Station.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been a joy.
0: I do fall in love with my guest and Mitzi Love is no exception. She opened my heart, she opened my mind, she opened my spirit to the possibilities of how amazing God's love is to transform a life that was groomed for abuse. She didn't turn bitter, she turned to our Lord and Savior and is now spreading that love and the message of God's love to other women through her coaching program, And she will be sharing her stories and her teachings at the Woman Warrior Summit that is happening August 2nd and then the 11th through the 13th. Information on how to sign up for that free summit is included in the show notes. So thank you again so much for pulling into the Hope Station. And until next week, I wish you a blessed and beautiful week. Before you leave, I have another free gift for you. What are you looking for in your life? A new career? Stepping into your purpose? Restoring passion in your everyday life? Are you ready to step into the new life God has planned for you? And he does have a plan for you. And that gift is to experience the power of coaching. Coaching helped me through my painful journey when Joe, my husband, died. Coaching eased me through this transition to move to Florida. I wasn't sure why the Lord was bringing me here and what his plans were for me. Coaching gave me clarity. Coaching was essential in making the Hope Station podcast a reality. A dream came true working with my coaches. Coaching also brought hope to hundreds of my clients who stepped into their purpose and passion And it all started with a free consult call. So schedule yours today. To schedule our Hope Chat, otherwise known as a coaching call, you can click the calendar link in the show notes or visit my website, diannebells.com. That's d-i-a-n-e-b-e-l-z.com. This coaching call could be exactly what you need to ignite a spark of hope in your life. Hope might be just one call away, Why wait? Schedule your call today.